The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. And on the AI Today podcast, if you're listening to us for the first time, our job is to make sure that those of you who are listening, who are trying to put AI into practice, perhaps as part of your job, or maybe you're in a consulting role and you're working and doing AI on behalf of others, or perhaps you're doing automation or big data analyst ta- analytics tasks, our job here at the AI Today podcast is to share with you interviews and insights from our research and from those who are actually putting AI into practice today. And uh, we have hundreds of, of interviews with thought leaders. And I encourage you, if you are interested in the topic of finding out how to make AI successful, how to be one of the successful statistics of AI and big data and automation implementations, I encourage you to subscribe to our podcast if you aren't already, because we have many more great interviews coming up, many more great insights, lessons learned, and best practices on making AI work for you and your organization today. And on that note, we are excited to have with us today Mara Pometti, who is the Global AI Strategist at IBM. Thank you so much, Mara. Thank you for joining us on the AI Today podcast. Thank you, guys. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Yeah, we're excited to have you here. We always love interviews on our AI Today podcast because we get such unique perspectives from, you know, many different areas of the market. So I'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners, tell them a little bit about your background and your role at IBM. Yeah, sure. Um, so exactly. I'm Mara Pometti. Um, I'm Italian, uh, as you can probably hear from my accent, but I'm based in London. And uh, um, I work for um, the IBM Chief AI um, Officer. Um, and um, in my role as AI, I mean, my role as AI, uh, Global AI Strategist is pretty unique. Uh, and I'll do a step back to clarify a little bit what this uh, really means. So um, I'm a humanist as background. And so before joining IBM, um, actually I worked uh, as data journalist uh, in some newsrooms. And uh, even before that, uh, I worked uh, for data-driven design companies where I used to work with design, data designers and developers. Um, to really help uh, clients on different projects uh, in extracting uh, new stories out of their data and explain those stories with uh, uh, visual storytelling. And so um, when I landed um, in IBM, it was a pretty unique uh, situation because basically there was... uh, I mean, there still is this team of data scientists uh, named IBM Data Science and IELE team um, that was uh, looking for, oddly, uh, oddly enough, a data journalist. And so 
I thought that that was very, very cool because uh, at that point, I remember I did, I mean, I haven't seen anyone in any tech firm, any tech company looking for such a particular um, job role, like a data journalist. And so I thought that it was very excited and then I applied and then um, here I am after three years. And uh, basically working with uh, data scientists as the only data journalist was a pretty unique challenge at the very beginning because no one of my colleagues um, really knew what a data journalist was for, uh, what was that role about eventually. So you have to think that this team uh, helps clients in uh, creating and solving problems with uh, AI. Um, and so it, it was a client-facing, it is actually a client-facing team. And I was come from a totally different background. That was the background of the newsrooms and design. And uh, at the beginning, they thought to, um, that I would do just uh, dashboards and graphics and charts. And then uh, progressively, I was able uh, actually to to establish with them a new culture around how to use data storytelling to guide our clients toward a much broader vision. And it started from there where um, the idea of creating a new job role for myself, which is exactly my actual uh, and current uh, job title, AI strategist, because uh, what it means is that, uh, I mean, being an AI strategist means that every day I define and design AI business solutions by uncovering and revealing overlooked insights into companies' data. And I do that by giving shape to the AI's outcome, meaning the data. Um, through visual stories. So to help uh, our clients, I mean, IBM clients, uh, to lay out uh, the long-term vision for the AI strategy. And so my work, uh, um, I mean, this really actually involves uh, two things. One is um, running and facilitating design thinking workshops uh, uh, built uh, with a very unique and brand new methodology that I co-created with other business leaders, I mean, senior business leaders in IBM, um, which is named uh, IBM Enterprises and Thinking for Data and AI, because it's a methodology uh, designed to help clients solve data and AI problems. And so I co-facilitate, I facilitate and, uh, these sessions with our clients and co-create with them their AI strategy. Um, and then my, my work is uh, very particular and visually driven. And so there is a big component of uh, data storytelling, which is really um, how um, transforming algorithms and machine learning models into concrete, um, tangible business results and uh, um, real insights, actionable insights through visual stories that uh, make AI 
simpler uh, and more understandable uh, by revealing the human side of AI. And so today my role as AI uh, strategist really sits at the intersection of data journalism, strategy and uh, AI. Um, and everything I do with this job, it's really um, follows really an attempt to make AI more human, to humanize AI uh, in this way. Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, um, there's definitely a big overlap between just what we're trying to accomplish with AI, discovering patterns and and using that for predictive analytics or what we call the seven patterns of AI. That's the recognition pattern, the conversation pattern, patterns and anomalies detecting the patterns and predictive analytics, uh, hyper-personalization where we're trying to uh, produce individual personal profiles and profiles for individuals and the autonomous pattern and goal-driven systems pattern. There's a big overlap between that and sort of the area of data visualization Right, trying to understand, create a story. It's interesting you mentioned creating a story, which is what really a lot, a big sort of soft skill for data scientists is not just the hard skills of the math and, and, and statistics and probability and machine learning and algorithms, all that. It's also the soft skills of how do you turn that knowledge into something people can understand and make decisions because we as humans are not so good at dealing with lots of data. And this is really very interesting. And you know maybe this sort of fits into the overall a role, something we talk about a lot, by the way, in our in our methodologies classes that we have. We have a whole uh, course called "Thinking and Acting Like a Data Scientist," and that's really not the hard skills. It's more about the soft skills. It's really very nice. So I encourage all of our listeners who are interested. If you're not familiar with our certification, you should go to courses c o u r s e s dot But I know that one of the things you're really focused on is IBM's AI strategy and a strategy in general. And you talk about the global strategy, which has to do with with these multinational organizations and data is everywhere. So can you share? as much as possible about IBM's AI strategy, sort of how that fits into organizations' AI strategy, and uh, as much as you can share there as possible. Yeah, absolutely, of course. Uh, um, so, yeah, um, IBM's AI strategy really um, rallies around uh, um, three main uh, pillars. First of all, automation because uh, um, we really have with our solutions and products and services actually also to not just automate uh, processes um, by creating even new uh, intelligent workflows, but also to automate uh, the AI's life cycle, um, which is a trend that is, uh, um, has been emerging, I mean, right now lately and it's very important uh, especially at this point where uh, um, companies uh, are achieving a uh, um, more mature level of AI. So the first pillar is automation. The second one is language. So we really um, have a strong focus uh, um, on language because actually extracting deeper meaning uh, into the language of the business, uh, into the words that they use, in all the documents that they have, uh, 
um, in all uh, um, the, if you think about all the archive of maybe PDF or digitalized copy of documents and think of uh, how much power basically they can extract by using the AI, natural language processes or Watson APIs or even products like um, Watson Discovery to really um, uncover patterns that otherwise would uh, be overlooked. And so companies can really now through these technologies uh, use AI to, to really get an edge in business by uh, really training models on their own language, their own uh, taxonomy and nomenclature that they have in their in company. And then the third pillar, but actually um, the most important one is trust. Trust is infused uh, uh, in uh, every AI process, is infused across uh, throughout, I would say, um, everything we, we do with AI and every uh, technology that we have. And specifically on that, uh, um, the team I work for has launched recently, actually a few months ago, a beautiful initiative named um, Trustworthy AI, which is uh, an IBM-wide effort um, to really uh, around new offerings uh, um, that uh, um, are provided by our services and the power of our technologies. Um, to, to really ensure trust at uh, every stage of the AI lifecycle, because today companies cannot use and extract value out of AI if they don't trust the AI's outcome. So it's not just about mitigating risks that could be caused by unwanted effects of AI. Let's think about um, some undetected biases, for example, and the damage that these biases might have on people's lives. So that could cause brand erosion, that could cause a loss of customers trusting that brand in the brand of that company. So. There are a lot of consequences by um, really not having uh, trustworthy AI solutions deployed in your company. But also um, it doesn't, I mean, this problem doesn't only relate to the risks that a company might uh, um, incur into, but it's also linked to the effects that uh, AI might have on people. And so we want to, preserve uh, people and humans actually on uh, um, any harm that AI might cause. And so we are really um, deep into it. Uh, um, and uh, uh, the Trustworthy AI initiative, in fact, uh, uh, and that's the reason why it's a wide uh, IBM effort, because, effort, because uh, um, it, it really, stands at the core of everything we do with AI. Uh, I would say it's the main pillar um, of <laughs> that runs across, I mean, from product design to product development and uh, um, every solution that uh, our services brings and our AI technology, so uh, Watson. 
And so um, this is really important. And in fact, uh, um, we have in IBM um, a board, the AI ethics board that oversees everything we do um, in IBM itself. And so this just to give you an idea of how much uh, um, an ethical, fair, transparent, explainable uh, use of AI, it's important to IBM. So that, I mean, that's the, the reason why it's at the core of IBM's AI strategy. But that said, uh, I wouldn't uh, say that we frame this strategy uh, on other organizations. Um, when we work with clients, uh, we really focus, first of all, on their needs, what they need, what are their challenges. And, and that's also what, what I do, right, with uh, the workshops uh, that I mentioned uh, uh, earlier. So we really try to first understand what are people's needs because uh, um, the methodology um, I was talking to you about, uh, it's really a human-centric methodology. And so humans are the beginning of every discussion we have on AI and are um, the ultimate purpose of why we use AI. And so um, through that, we are able to understand how to help our clients with our technologies, with AI. And so we don't frame our strategy on them. It's really uh, understanding force what they need and then uh, helping them to achieve their objectives, solve their problems and challenges uh, by really uncovering what are their business intents first and what are um, the, the problems that the um, users, the persona, um, if I may use uh, uh, workshop language, um, they face. And so this is uh, overall the internal strategy, but also how we then create, design, and execute an AI strategy with our clients. Yeah, I think that you know the idea of trustworthy AI is... Um, really coming up a lot these days, because if you want users to be able to actually use the artificial intelligence and trust it, then you need to build it with that in mind, because it doesn't take much to lose trust and it takes a lot if maybe sometimes it's impossible to gain it back. So that's great that that's, you know, one of your core pillars so that you're really, you know, with everything that you do, creating trustworthy AI um, as much as possible. So that's great to hear and seems in line with the rest of the industry, which is also very good. So at IBM, you know, I mean, I know that you have a very unique background where you are a data journalist and you have, uh, you know, data visualization skills, and that's really core to what you do, which is great. And you can bring a very unique perspective to the organization. And IBM, I mean, it's been around for a very long time. I'm sure it has tons and tons of data. So how are organizations like IBM dealing with that data? And how has that changed over the past few years from both the actual way that you're dealing with it and then more of the, you know, idea, the concepts of how you're dealing with it as well? Yeah, um, good question. I I think we have we have seen a lot of changes in how 
we deal with data and how organizations broadly exactly um, deal with data. I mean, we are, um, and, and these changes uh, are, are really uh, because of uh, the incremental, I would say, um, use of AI in organizations. Um, we, we are understanding, I'd say that um, data itself, uh, it's not enough anymore. And so it's uh, a powerful source, a fuel, I would say almost, uh, um, that can be controlled, that can provide, again, again, can provide even more insights, even more power if um, it fuels uh, algorithms and machine learning models and uh, other types of AI solutions. And so from getting, I mean, from where we started a couple of years ago, where the buzzword was the big data, and we were all trying to find interesting insights into the data by leveraging, um, I mean, uh, BI techniques and BI tools and uh, um, data analysis. Uh, um, now, we, we really understood that the power of using that data to go to a deeper level where we really can employ, I mean, employ AI to um, uncover meaningful patterns and connections in that data that can give us knowledge that we would never thought about. And so the, the thing now on how we deal with data it's not anymore in the, um, what we do with the data by, by itself, what analysis we can perform of the data, but uh, um, it's, it lies more on understanding the, the inner connections and patterns that exist um, among all that data. Uh, because the real meaning uh, is extracted once that intricate web of connections is revealed. And for doing that, uh, with the amount of data that we have today, we need AI. We need machine learning models. Um, we need something more to really create power with that data. Um, and so um, I think that all the changes really are due to uh, the advancement in, uh, in the AI techniques and the AI um, research. Um, and about to research exactly, um, IBM research has shown a lot of uh, um, cool uh, and new techniques and tools and um, things that are possible through through AI. And so data is not anymore the, the main, uh, the topic of the discussion. It's not the only character, I would say, of the discussion, uh, but it's uh, a component uh, uh, that helps us to get to a deeper level of knowledge and understanding and the business value eventually. Um, when we learned uh, that to do that, we need also 
AI um, coupling with that data. Yeah, I'm kind of interested. You mentioned uh, earlier when you were talking about business intelligence, BI, which has been around, as, you, as we all know, for decades, right? And big data, which we have been talking about as well for, for decades. I'm just kind of curious from, from your perspective, when, especially when you talk about this in your, the workshops and other things that you're doing, how do you connect sort of what people may have as experience around BI and maybe uh, what we know about BI with data science and maybe maybe for, for our listeners here who, who, are, who are also probably putting a lot of this into practice and maybe they have a good BI background, or maybe they, they have the traditional BI techniques um, and are either sort of adding on or bringing on board data science and data tech techniques. And on top of that, AI and machine learning, how do you sort of uh, stratify the differences between and the, the, the concepts between BI and data science and AI and machine learning? If, maybe for yeah. Our, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, thank you so much. It's a very interesting question, actually. Um, I, I wouldn't say that we stratified the difference between um, BI and data science and AI or whatever, I mean, can come after, but we guide, we guide clients through um, exactly the, the workshop um, that I mentioned to really understand uh, what they can do with the data that they have. Uh, we forced uh, really, uh, we have this collective moment over the workshop with uh, a very um, specific activity that we created that really uh, brings uh, into the mainstream practice of a design thinking workshop, the power of data visualization to really have all the participants over the workshop visualizing what's the status of their data and how it's collected, analyzed, and infused in their organization. Uh, and so they start uh, um, uh, from uh, um, what we call in IBM uh, the AI ladder, which is really um, a metaphor to um, explain our clients uh, what's the journey they have to go through to get their data from, uh, I mean, really the, the collection phase to the creation of AI models. And so in this journey that might seem simple, um, actually there are a lot of steps. Um, and so there are clients that uh, have a, a lot of, I mean, tons of data, um, but they start from a BI level. And so through the workshop, by really helping them in um, change their mindset around how they think of data and think creatively on the data, they can understand what are the steps that they can do to move from that level, so a BI level, data analysis level, to really do something else with the data step. I mean, step into the AI um, rung of the ladder, infusing their data in their business processes through um, AI solutions. And so um, there is no difference. It's really um, guiding and co-create, I mean, a guiding and co-creation process uh, that uh, comes as an outcome of these uh, workshop sessions where um, you have to think about uh, having uh, um, participants with very different roles, uh, um, especially because this activity of data assessment uh, um, uh, and the evaluation is part of usually a second 
session of this workshop, uh, which we call the technical session. Um, usually we divide this workshop into sessions. One is a strategy session with the business leaders of an organization. And then we um, have the technical sessions with data scientists, data engineers, data analysts, data stewards, ML engineers. So all the practitioners, designers, developers, all the, the practitioners that do uh, projects with data. Um, and so it's uh, in these technical sessions by having all these type of uh, um, roles and jobs involved in the workshop, having collectively um, assessing together the data that they have that comes from different sources, usually in an organization. Um, and the beautiful thing is that uh, usually um, they don't have any time in their over their daily job to really connect with people that own other data sources in their organization and think how to combine data sources that instead they own, they lead, they work on daily. And so you have these beautiful moments of uh, uh, epiphany, I would say, where they can start seeing the power of combining multiple data sources together and think about new solutions that they can create based on that data, that merged data. Um, and so um, this is uh, um, how we, we, we really help uh, even the clients that do not, are not uh, um, at even um, a very simple stage of AI to, to really um, get uh, uh, to, to a level where they can use solutions and infuse their solution into the business. Fantastic. That was, that was great. It was a little extra uh, question because I know a lot of people are, are thinking about bringing their business intelligence skills and technology and all that to, to play, which of course it is here. So um, obviously you're seeing some trends. The AI space is moving very quickly and evolving very rapidly. So maybe you can share some of the things that you see as some of the trends uh, from the workshops or from just observing the industry and the market um, what's happening around AI, data science, and and uh, and uh, just in general data trends? That that'd be really helpful. Yeah. Um, okay. So the first one that I can think of, uh, actually, since we have been talking about the storytelling, is uh, um, using AI to create uh, um, automated data storytelling. So. Uh, it, it, and this uh, um, ties back to what we were discussing about um, uh, the differences between uh, uh, the old mindset around data and what's happening with AI, because now people um, want to understand better data. And we have realized that the data itself, the charts itself, I mean, charts themselves are not enough anymore. We want to come back to story. And so um, there is a big trend around uh, how to use AI to create stories uh, based on dashboards, charts, and data visualizations um, to really um, have AI helping us, augmenting us in better understanding um, the, the insights that we can get out of data. So there is a big trend uh, um, around that, a big experimentation also, um, thanks also to the advancement in NLP and the um, different pre-trained models that have been released uh, lately. 
Um, and so, which I think it's very, very interesting because uh, uh, reminds us uh, that uh, uh, data itself, it's not enough, that we need uh, stories to communicate data insights and really understand what the data tells us. And with data, I really mean uh, the AI's outcome mostly because now it's what uh, uh, for the majority, I mean, is the data that we deal with. Um, a second trend, uh, I would say um, uh, AI, uh, what I would say uh, I call actually AI democratization in the sense that there is a lot uh, around how we get to a low, no level code um, so that uh, even uh, people that are not the data scientists, that are not uh, um, machine learning engineers can really um, use the power of AI in their daily job, in their daily processes. We have a lot of great partnerships also in IBM toward that, like the latest one is with uh, um, Palantir Technologies, um, and which uh, basically is integrated to IBM Copa Free Data. And it's really uh, amazing if we think about it, how we are really bringing the um, AI into the business process and we give AI to, into the hands of business users, um, which uh, by training might be data analysts, but not data scientists. And so if we think about what kind of uh, level we, we got into, um, it's really uh, amazing. And I think it's super important because uh, everyone now should really uh, be able at least uh, um, to, to work on, on AI, even people that are not uh, coders as training, but they want to really get uh, um, more meaning with the data. And so really that's super important. It's a big uh, trend um, that is leading to the democratization of AI. And then the other one I would say um, is the AI strategy, because uh, a lot of companies also per Gartner and McKinsey reports uh, are now at the phase of AI strategy, um, which is another very interesting uh, trend because uh, that means that uh, AI is not anymore just uh, um, connected to the IT, um, but it's uh, more than that. It's really becoming the focus of the business itself and the strategic initiatives that companies lead. And so it's really, uh, this shows really a change um, of focus and interest uh, in the industry. Um, there is this willingness uh, to really now um, use AI to change the business model, to change the workflow. Uh, I mean, the mainstream workflows that companies uh, um, have. And so by really bringing the focus on, on AI and lay out an AI strategy that really helps them uh, modifying their current business model in order to achieve their business objective. 
Um, this takes time, of course, and in fact, uh, uh, the majority of the companies are at the beginning of this uh, um, of this step of the AI strategy uh, step. But uh, um, it's uh, very, very um, interesting, uh, I would say, because uh, as I said, uh, it highlights. Uh, um, a big change in organization and how we think AI. So if really, um, as uh, per, I mean, in the couple of last uh, years, I would say AI was, the conversation around AI was just uh, to optimize and make more efficient some existing applications into the IT department and that's it. And now we are seeing uh, AI, I mean, industries that put AI at really at the core of their strategy, of their business strategy. And uh, they are rethinking uh, basically uh, their uh, overall business model in order to think creatively of new ways to employ this technology to um, really generate more revenue, generate new revenue, and uh, um, achieve uh, business objectives that maybe just uh, one or two years ago uh, would have seemed uh, impossible to them. And so it's really a beautiful transformation that we, we, we are uh, seeing uh, and experiencing. You know, it's interesting you bring that up because you've been at IBM for three years now. I'm sure over the course of those three years, you have seen such transformation within AI, data, data understanding in general, just from, you know, companies and individuals at those companies as well. I think that it's really come to the forefront and a lot more people are paying attention than ever before, which is, a, you know, good and bad. Uh, we have to make sure that they are understanding it. And so I think that that's why, you know, you talk about storytelling and getting something out of that data. That's also incredibly important to make sure that they're actually understanding what the data is saying and telling that in a meaningful way. So this has been a really great podcast. You've brought up so many interesting points and insights. Uh, and so you've, you've been an incredible guest. We always like to end our interviews with the same question and we get such varied responses. So I'm looking forward to yours. Some people get philosophical, some get very practical. Some people talk about what they're, what they're hopeful for. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, Looking forward to your response. As a final note, what do you believe the future of AI is in general and its application to organizations and beyond? <laughs> very, very uh, interesting and challenging question. Um, okay, so I believe um, with a certain amount of confidence um, that uh, the future of AI is made of people in the sense that uh, we are at the point where we have seen uh, um, what uh, we don't want to happen because of AI. And we are now uh, really um, redefining and reshaping uh, what uh, uh, the relationship between, I mean, between AI and humans uh, um, could look like. And so I think that uh, the future of AI will include uh, even more humans in the equation, in the technical equation, and we will see more interesting and creatively ways to 
employ this technology um, for really uh, augmenting people rather than harm people. Um, and uh, because we have experienced that uh, AI by itself, uh, I mean, it, it really um, doesn't do much for us. Um, it's just uh, a piece of technology and that's it. We, we see, we know now that um, to, to really get uh, um, to a level where artificial intelligence uh, is meaningful for us, for our lives, for our jobs, um, we, we really need the creativity of people. We really need uh, people that are good at solving uh, problems. We need uh, critical thinking. Um, we need uh, liberal arts. We need uh, art. We need a lot of the things that uh, humans only do and do well to, to really augment in return AI um, and the people that build and design AI solutions and algorithms and models. And so I hope, but I'm pretty confident that uh, the future of AI will be more human-centric. Um, and uh, and that really um, people will come up with more and more ways of um, how we can really use and advance also um, this technology for for the better. Um, and uh, I'm I'm really excited, especially uh, looking at some AI artists uh, and how AI is being used, like. Um, in the media industry, in fashion, in the creative industry, um, because uh, we are now less scared of uh, uh, algorithms. More and more people now can code, right? I mean, I'm a humanist. I have I started as a classicist, uh, translating ancient Greek and Latin, and I pick up code uh, um, pretty easily over my journey. And so uh, this is happening to many, many, many other people. And it's amazing because uh, it's reshaping completely the way we look at AI and what AI can, is doing. If I think also a lot of philosophers, a lot of uh, um, humanists that uh, are now involved uh, in this big realm that is artificial intelligence and how amazingly they are really elevating the discussion and the techniques around AI in, in a way that we couldn't imagine. And so um, I love what I'm seeing and I hope that there will be more and more the future of AI, also because uh, we need uh, more and better ways to explain and communicate AI, even to people that are not technical, even to people that are not uh, um, AI savvy, I would say, um, because we really need to make everyone understand uh, what are the effects of the algorithms that govern our life, and maybe those people, not all, I mean, not all the people know 
that there are algorithms behind the recommendation they get or the decisions that are made on their life. And so it's really important. What I advocate for is uh, um, what I call pop AI. Uh, and with that, I mean that uh, I'm trying uh, and I, I would love to see more uh, um, making AI popular um, for, for everyone uh, so that everyone can at least understand um, and so that we can increase AI literacy among people, um, which is, uh, I guess, the first uh, step to really make this technology fair to everyone and especially um, transparent to, to everyone. And so I see really a future where AI um, is part of how people think, think and operate and work, but where the main actors are still people, are still humans. It's still, I mean, the main actors would be us. Well, that's great. I, we, we love hearing that. I mean, you have a very unique perspective. I, I was actually looking at your background focused on ancient Greek and Latin and, and translating all the texts. And, you know, it's interesting because there is a, there is a whole natural language processing and understanding the language of humans. The fact that we have to translate, um, and as you know very well, that language is not very precise. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I mean, and, and so that's what differentiates us from machines, right? Because we could say things and we can interpret them in so many different ways. And, and what we say is does not always have context or, or what, what it means might be very specific to the context. The same words might, might mean different things. And, um, you know, that's actually a very complicated thing for machines. Machine, we have not yet really done a, a great job of machines really being able to uh, uh, communicate in the natural way that, that humans do, which is interesting given the term natural language processing. That is what we are trying to do. So uh, it's great that, that you have that philosophy and you have that perspective uh, on it. And our listeners who, who may be interested may, may want to follow up. We're going to provide some details in our show notes uh, for what, what you guys are doing there, the IBM, the global strategy, some links to that. And maybe we'll talk a little bit about the workshop as well, what you're doing there. And also, I know you have uh, uh, some background on your site and some of the things you do there. So um, really, really wanted to, to thank you so much for sharing uh, this unique uh, insight with our listeners and our listeners. If you're also trying to put a lot of these things into practice, you're trying to uh, uh, make these systems more human centric, uh, you know, keep the human at the center of the loop. We, we definitely encourage you to, to look into the show notes, follow us as mentioned. We do talk about this topic quite a bit on our podcast and especially also in our workshops, our training, which is more methodology focused. We have a methodology training on, on running AI projects called CPM AI for those who listen may have heard hear us talking about this probably an infinite number of times. So <laughs> you hear us talking about it again. But I wanted to thank you so much, Mara uh, Pometti from uh, IBM uh, for joining us and sharing your fabulous insights with our audience. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thanks. This was such an incredible podcast. 
And as Ron mentioned, we will link, um, you know, everything that we discussed in the show notes, including what IBM is doing, as well as our CPMAI methodology. And we also run our Data for AI community as well, which is very timely for this conversation. I think a lot of different organizations are thinking about data, how best to use, manage, you know, data governance, all those things that deal with data. And that's what our community focuses on. So you can go to dataaicomp.com to learn more. And I will also link to it in the show notes. We have monthly featured presenters. So I encourage our listeners to sign up. I know many of you guys do attend, you guys and gals. So thank you for that. And if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please do rate us on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. We always love to hear from our listeners. You can reach out to us as well. We're very active on LinkedIn. You can also shoot us an email as well. If you go to Cognolytica.com, you can find all of our details. Uh, We always love to hear from our listeners about what you're doing, your projects, your struggles, uh, you know, and, and what you enjoy about the podcast and what you'd like to hear more of. So please reach out and also don't forget to rate us as well. So thanks for listening and we'll catch you at the next episode. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group. And make sure to join the Cognolytica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.